We'll be using this space to engage in conversations surrounding topics we feel are important to discuss. You can also follow us on our Instagram at LPC underscore Alpha Gamma to keep up with our chapter and see what, what we do outside of this podcast. <laughs> Hi, I'm Abby. Um, my hermana name is Yankiba. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm currently the president of the Alpha Gamma chapter. Hi, my name is Sebastian. I'm from Lambda Theta Phi Land Fraternity Incorporated. Uh, founding line at Davidson College, um, and I graduated in uh, 2019. Okay, hello everyone. Um, thank you so much for being here um, and you know spending time out of your day and dedicating time to this and energy. Um, so we're going to first start off with introductions. So we're just going to do um, name, Irmana name, pronouns, and what you did slash are doing for the chapter or organization. Hi, my name is Olivia. My hermana name is Hermana Aramita and I was treasurer before I graduated. All right. Um, so I think I just wanted to like first start off with um, talking about our families and stuff and sort of like the experiences they've had slash you've had um, with coming to the United States from Cuba and like what they experienced in Cuba that caused them to um, cause like your families to come over here and sort of yeah just like just talk about like our stories and our like family stories if anyone wants to go first that's I can go first um I was born in Cuba, so I moved to the U.S. with my whole family when I was almost five years old. Um, for us, obviously, I don't remember too much of my time living there because I was so little, but my dad always talks about how he was very unhappy there and he didn't feel like he was getting any of like the rights that he deserved or like how no matter how much money you had, it was always difficult to get food. We really greatly depended on my aunt. She would send me lots of clothes and lots of food when I was little and that's really how I got by and so like I think maybe before I was born my dad entered like this visa lottery system where like you could get a visa to come to the United States and I think like he they got it like maybe 2001 and we moved here in 2004 so it was like a very long process once they got the letter saying that they won the visa but it was very like you had to keep it hush hush because the second anyone found out that you got this and that you were leaving you were immediately seen as like a traitor kind of so we weren't really allowed to talk about it and then maybe like six months before we left I remember like my family told their like bosses that like my mom and my dad told the bosses that like hey like we're not going to keep working like we're leaving the country so like right when you say that like you get fired from your job so my parents got fired. We got our house taken away from us. So we had to like move in with my grandparents. So we lived in like a small bedroom for like the last six months while we were there. I remember we like gave away all of our belongings just because we knew it was like more important to the people in Cuba than it was going to be for us in the U.S. So I remember we just like had one really big party the night, like maybe a few nights before we left. 
and then that was like the last time a lot of my family saw a lot of their friends and relatives and after that we came to the U.S. and we didn't go back to visit until like maybe four or five years afterwards because my grandparents were still living in Cuba at the time. Oh I'll go next um so I'm the I'm the 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 child of two Cuban immigrants so my father and my mother both came over to the United States in the 80s so um my father when he flew to Costa Rica and then crossed the Mexican border and then took a bus down to Miami, whereas my mother was a part of the Mariel boat lift. And so she came with my uncle um, when she was about 15. And it's actually really interesting. It's really interesting that Olivia says her story because this is like, a more, her, hers is a more contemporary account. And yet there's a lot of similarities to how my mother uh, felt when she was coming over. Like the moment that she put her name on the list to be on the Maria boat lift. Everybody just started to like be really aggressive towards her family. The government was going to seize all of their furniture and all of their belongings. So they instead just gave it out to neighbors, things like that. Um, and there was like actually a gang of people who would go like door to door, like to the people who had names on the list of Maria, like the people who would be taken by the Maria boat lift. And they would just throw garbage at their door, like throw rocks at, through their windows. So like my, my grandmother told me that she would have like a pot of boiling water, like nonstop for the two months before my mother left, just in case anybody start tried to breach the door and like physically attack them because they were that fearful of what these people would do because there is like a really big stigma. Like the moment that somebody declares that they, want to leave these terrible conditions, they are viewed as like the enemy. Like they are counter-revolutionary. They are not for the cause of Cuba. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, so she, she experienced something really similar to what Olivia said, but so that's my, that's my, my relation. Okay, so I'm gonna go first and share my family story. So basically my grandma came here when she was really young. She was, I don't know, she, Met my grandfather who, okay. Let me get into my grandmother's history for a second. So my grandmother grew up on a farm with her two grandparents because her mom wasn't fit to take care of her. So they were, she just grew up living a farm life, whatever. And then she had to go to Havana once to be with her aunt while her aunt meet, met with her husband because like women can't be alone. So she went to be with her aunt and then that's where she met my grandfather. His name is Juan. I recently learned that. But um, that's where she met Juan Santiago. And they got married. Okay, it's really funny. Should I get into this? Yeah. Like, okay, so their marriage story is really funny because, like I said, like women can't be alone with like men unless they were like married. So my aunt was there to visit like her future husband, not her actual, or her aunt was there. But so my grandma met Juan and then she went to her aunt and was like, hey, I want to like be with this guy. And her aunt laid out a bunch of rules and stuff for her. And it was like, here are your chaperones. Like, you can't do this. You can't do this. And my grandma didn't want to do any of that. So the next day, they just went and got married. <laughs> so, so, so they just got married. And I guess they were married then. And then she moved back. And she moved back in with Juan. Or they went back to her grandparents' house for a while. And then she moved in with Juan. And then this was all before the revolution. So at this point, Castro was still like known as a really big activist in Cuba. And it turns out that Juan's father was really rich. So he was really well connected with the Cuban government and they knew that something was about to go down. So um, he basically said to his six sons, like something really bad is about to happen to the country. So like, I need you to leave 
So the six sons left with their wives and their children and they all moved to Key West, Florida. And they started a cafe, Fisherman's Cafe, if you go, Santiago lineage. And yeah, and now we are here. And that, my, my dad was born in Key West, so he didn't immigrate, but his parents did. So um, from, we should talk about like what I heard about Cuba from my grandma growing up. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so even though my grandma came here before the revolution, um, like my whole family came here before the revolution, I still heard like a lot of stories growing up. Like when I was growing up, my grandma was still sending goods to her siblings. Like she had two sisters and a brother and like that's the last time she ever saw them was when she left Cuba. So she hasn't seen them since and she still sent goods to them for a very, very long time. But you know, now they're both passed away. But so I never really heard good things about their experiences in Cuba. Like my dad always told me like, yeah, they're just suffering over there. Like, this is why my grandma like used to clean houses growing up and she used that money to send back to like her family in Cuba because they didn't have anything. Yeah. And then, um, so, so yeah, so my story, um, pretty much similar to Abby's that like my parents didn't immigrate over here, but my grandparents did and everything. But the first one was to come was my great uncle. Um, he came con Pedro Pan and he, um, pretty much, oh, well, before I get to him coming with, um, with Pedro Pan, but, um, in Cuba, he, he was, like, around 16 when, um, Castro, like, came into power, and, um, and he and his friends, like, didn't like what was going on and everything, and so they, like, started coming together to, like, create flyers to go against the government and everything and like um he said that one of his friends sort of like jumped the gun and like did it without like did it did it by himself one day and um without the rest of the group and so he so like he and then he did it in front of like someone accidentally like that like caught him and like arrested him and then they came to get my uncle my great uncle and so then he was taken to um, La Habana, and then, um, then to Santiago, actually, mm-hmm. and, um, to, into, and by then they had already, like, confiscated houses and turned them into, like, different, um, sort of, like, militia, I don't even know, bases, I think, I guess you can say it like that, and they took them into hostage there, and they just, like, had him there for a while. He said he doesn't remember how long he was there for, but he just remembers being with his friends and just like, just just being arrested for that, for just trying to, like, he wasn't even like, he wasn't caught with posters. He wasn't caught doing it, but you know, just by the name association, he was already like, you know, um, he just was taken in for that. And so after that, some, somehow he was able to get out and um, he had the option to go back to school, but he didn't want to go back to school because like all they were learning was like all these great things that Castro was doing. And like, because that's the education that they like, because the education wasn't just education. It was like education geared towards supporting the country. So he didn't want to support that. And he, um, so he dropped out of school. And then um, that's also when they started like trying to indoctrinate like all the kids and everything. So his family was really worried about that. And they got him on um, the list to go on to with Pedro Pan and be able to leave. So he went to, um, he went to, he was able to immigrate to um, a camp in Miami. And then from there, he was transferred to Oklahoma. And then from there transferred to Wichita, Kansas. 
and um when he was there in Wichita that's where he like grew up and he was put with her like a random family and at 18 he like obviously had to leave the family and like just get an apartment by himself with like the rest of the Cuban guys that also immigrated with him and um just like worked um like cutting grass washing dishes and just trying to get visas for his family to come and that's when my my grandma came so then they all came to Wichita and um but my grandma like she went she went to Miami once I think like she saw the Miami then to she then she went to Wichita and so she really liked Miami and all my family really liked Miami so they flew back and they came they went back to Miami and now that's where they stayed and um and yeah that's pretty much it but then I also um like I also spoke to my great aunt recently and she she was just telling me her like side of like her experience in Cuba because I've never like spoken to her about it but um just like a snippet of like what she experienced because she just went she went through Texas she came in through Texas in 1966 and oh my uncle came my great uncle came in 1961 but um but she came in through in 66 through Texas and before that um she was just telling me that they would like you would go into like the grocery store and they would just like give you the food that you would need to have like that they would want you to have and you wouldn't be able to ask for anything else nor like say oh like I don't want this right now like I'm not gonna take this can I have the another thing instead like you weren't you weren't able to do that and so um and like and so so then another time that she just went to like the beach one day and like with her with her husband and like um, some other person and she she got arrested for like and she was put into some like hostage or whatever for like seven hours questioning and everything because they thought that she was gonna like just flee right there like just she was going to the beach and everything but um and she says like she like explained to me like really mad because she was just like I was literally just going to like wet my feet in the water and like they just arrested me for that um and and then another like part of what she was telling me like same thing that you were like mentioning um like I think like Sebastian you mentioned that like the inventory and everything that like they would um the government would come by and like take inventory of like the things that you had in your house to make sure that like when you left that you wouldn't be taking anything with you and every and stuff like that so she so she had she couldn't take anything with her when she came over here um through Texas and everything but um, I can talk specifically about what my family has been experiencing in Cuba um, my four grandparents are here in the U.S. and so it's like my aunt and my parents so it's, it's never like a direct family but for example um, my grandma's aunt my grandma's sister she they talk on the phone every day so I've heard a lot about that and we come from a really small rural town in the west it's called Pinal de Rio the province but we come from a really, really small town. So that just means there's more indoctrination, there's less education, there's just less knowledge in general. And there haven't been any protests there just because it's like a 3000 person town, like it's really small. And they like aired stuff on the news that was like, oh, there have been no protests in Cuba. Like this was in another country or there was a protest, it was really small and now it's over. So my grandma tried to talk to her sister about it and her sister was like what do you mean like that's not true like I haven't seen anything like it's not real and then I have some cousins who are like I think he's 17 maybe 
and they're like afraid for his life because they're really scared that they're going to call him in to do like the military draft and that he will have to start like fighting against his people so they're very scared that like if any protest happens in our town like he will be like one of the first to be called to start fighting against them so it's a very like confusing mix of some people know what's going on but again like there's no internet my mom my grandma has been talking through landlines exclusively and there's three channels on the tv there's one that gives news and all they're saying is that there's no protest nothing's happening like everything is calm so they really just like in small towns like that they just really like have no idea what's going on mm-hmm. yeah yeah no like especially now they're they're really like have been pulling a lot of people and like with with the power of like social media and everything you've seen like so many people so many young kids being pulled, like young boys being pulled to um, like fight for the country against like their own people. It's the saddest thing. Like um, my, my great aunt, she says like back then, like was the same thing, same similar things would happen. But then also like she mentioned to me, like a, a thing that they would do, like a tactic was like put them in like civilian clothes and stuff. And then attack other people like the civilians and stuff so they wouldn't like to 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 not like like expose themselves and expose that they're part of like the regime and everything it's just like it's super crazy yeah i i have a, a great aunt in cuba and we haven't been able to hear from her um she lives in la Habana, so i guess there's more of uh i mean i i, I, I like the, the internet being cut out just kind of stops all communication so um we haven't heard from her but I mean, I'm hope. I mean, I hope she's. I think she's gonna be okay. She's definitely not the type to go to this demonstration. But then again, like, like I think the most, the, the most, the most impressive thing about these demonstrations is that nobody expected them to ever happen. Like, I, I think that. I mean, I mean, I mean, maybe I'm out of touch because I'm in Miami and not in Cuba. But like, the idea has always been that the Cuban people, like this, uh, these sixty years of uh, indoctrination have are, are are very effective like you like if if you build the educational system to push something it's it's going to do it really well and that's what cuba's done so um i yeah the fact that these people would even go to protest i think was a shock and that that's why like i think a lot of uh cuban americans in miami have kind of taken this as like the final like moment of like wow like we have been we've been telling everybody this and the constant response, I think, from people is like, oh, okay, well, if it's so bad in Cuba, why don't the Cubans speak up, right? Like this, this, is, this was like the thing that was holding, I think, back any sort of change because it was only people who would be able to leave the island and be able to talk about the horrors on it. And the people on the island wouldn't be able to say anything. And then people thought that they weren't saying anything because um, uh, they didn't feel like there were any problems. The, 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 the indoctrination and the... the 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 lack of uh ability to communicate wasn't ever like factored into people's opinion of the conditions on the island like and and so i hope that now it is um but yeah i guess like that's that's why i want to kind of like do the conversation more to like what 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 like what, what do we see coming from these protests um what, what do we hope what do we hope comes from these protests Um, I can answer. Um, Before I do, though, one thing I wanted to add along with that is that I feel like one thing people aren't really talking about is that right now with the COVID cases rising in Cuba, 
at least in my town, I don't know if anywhere else, but I'm pretty sure it's like pretty spread out that because there's a quarantine in Cuba right now, it's not like in the US where there was a stay at home order, but like they couldn't really do anything about it. Right now, at least like for my town, I'm sure for others, if you're in Cuba outside of your house, like that in and of itself is illegal because you have to stay within your house due to the quarantine and how many cases have been rising. So it's like, I know people who like jump the fence to go visit their friend because they're depressed and alone in their house and they can't do anything. And they got fined like 5,000 pesos, which is like, I don't know, like five, six times what they make in a, in a month. So like they can't even afford that. So like just the fact that they're outside is already a giant step because that in and of itself is something that's currently illegal. Like not even touching on protests and all of those other things, which of course have always been illegal. Like it's currently illegal just to like be outside so the fact that they're all taking to the streets is even more inspiring, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, hopefully, I don't really know what's going to come out of this. I feel like the president, diaz Canel won't stay in power <laughs> after this. It's not looking very good for him, but we're in a really difficult position where, like, it's going to be, not to be pessimistic, but I feel like it's going to be really difficult for the Cuban people to win, like, by themselves just because they're unarmed they're not grouped up because they don't have a way to communicate with each other like it's all against them so I mean of course I'm hoping that like they're so they're strong enough and that they're convinced like the police to turn their backs on the government and help them but like that might be like one of the few ways they can do this by themselves at least um but yeah overall I just feel like they're in a very difficult situation if we're being realistic about it I mean, I honestly don't know what I think is going to happen. Um, my my dad and my grandma, I asked them what they think is going to happen. And they think that the government is just going to shut it down and that like nothing is going to happen um, because they're kind of just like, that's what's usually what's happened. So it's like what they're used to. Um, so I'm not really sure because I kind of resonate with them. Like I kind of understand the feeling of seeing something happen and know that like as badly as you want that to happen like it's not going to go through no matter how like historic or like how big the protest or demonstration is but yeah I was thinking like we can also um talk about like stuff that's going on now and how our families are reacting and like just our thoughts in general um because there's just so many so many things to touch on <laughs> um so if anyone wants to like go first or I definitely think I kind of, I agree with you, Olivia. Like, I don't think it's going to happen on their own. Like, I just don't think they have the tools. Not that they don't have the desire to, but they just don't have the tools or the means to. Um, so I'm not sure. Yeah. And the fact that like, it's so wild, the fact that like, they're so brainwashed by the government. And so other, and we, we get really get too mad about these like surveys and stuff because I've seen people like post like oh well like 47 percent these stupid yeah. surveys we don't even believe them when they come out of the United States like yeah. why, yeah. why how are you going to sit here and be like Cuba is so amazing look at this survey stop I'm sorry <laughs> surveys that's just I hate when people pull survey data on me yeah especially when it's self-reported I can't because it's just like well obviously well first of all most people are not going to admit that they don't like Cuba if they're in Cuba mm -hmm. right now and you're coming to them being like hey tell me if you like if you if you like our government if you if you have all these great rights whatever all this stuff of course they're going to say yeah. yeah first of all they don't know you who are you <laughs> second they're scared to get to, like 
like anything, anything can, my, my, my great aunt just going to the beach got her arrested. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, like that, that is not going to pass. So obviously they're going to say, yes, they like the government. Yes. They support, um, like they're happy with how they are first. And then that's, that's the first of all, but second of all, half the people like you mentioned, um, or, or like Olivia, like how your family is positioned in, in like the town that they're away from all the protests and everything. Like they don't know half of the things that are happening. Like there's this, um, I forgot what his name was, but like there's this um, Cuban writer, he's a Cuban author and he like has written about his like experience and his family's experience with Cuba. Like, and he's, he came from America and wrote this book. And he was like, it's like, yeah, like I wrote this, this book, but like no one in Cuba can read it because everyone, all the library, libraries are just filled with like propaganda supporting the government, not just like, not even just books that don't support like the government, but just like any books at all. Like these books are just literally to support the government. And like, of course, like that's why literacy great, it's, it's, it's high, but what are they reading? Like they can't read anything but the stuff that supports the government. So it's just like, so on top, like on top of people having fear, they also are indoctrinated to believe that their country's good. And the United States is like, is a reason for everything that they've done, like that's happened. So of course they're gonna say all those things when you're asking people from Cuba. So, but the thing is the fact that like all these, all these things take those, all these, all those things into account and still people protested and were as like, mm-hmm. like vocal about their rights is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Like it's really like, cause that's, that's, that's like all we've known, like, like my whole life, all I've known is like everyone in Cuba is like silenced and like, you cannot stand up against the government and, and like, like your dad's life, like that's all he's known and like um my great aunt I asked her the same thing like what she thinks is going to happen she's like I honestly I'm so like hopeless like that's like all the things like we've known all like the majority of their life and like all of our lives so it's really saddening that like that's what we think but that we don't know anything else other than that you know so yeah I think that I, oh hello. go ahead go ahead Okay. Um, no, yeah, I, th- I think that you're like about your point and, and Olivia's point and Abby's point, the, the idea is <laughs> that, no, no, because, because for the most part, it's like, it's like, I, I think that you touched on something of, of like this, like a, a sort of optimism that like, you know, we only see these people that's completely silenced and, and oppressed and like, they might be oppressed, but they're not being silent anymore. And I think that's a really optimistic part, but it, it's kind of like, holding that in the same mind that you're also holding the the knowing that like uh, nothing probably nothing's gonna get done about this like these these protesters are gonna get they're gonna get squashed um people are gonna stop talking about this very soon um the u.s isn't gonna do anything Cuban people don't have the power to do anything and then it's just gonna go back to the same dictatorship that has been in power for the last 60 plus years you know like so it's like having that uh the optimism of like wow this did happen is great but um maybe it's almost like uh like a I'm looking for a word that I'm not gonna find but (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's what I'm saying um I can add like a personal experience of how far the indoctrination and the fear goes in these people not in Cubans lives like when I was younger when I lived in Cuba I remember like every time like I got like milk or like my aunt would send me gifts for like Christmas and we wouldn't say Santa brought them my mom would literally teach me to say Fidel got you these gifts say thank you to Fidel 
because she was so afraid that I would hear someone say something and like as a little kid who doesn't know anything I'd repeat it on somewhere in public and my family would all go to jail just because like a three-year-old said Fidel sucks like like that's enough to send you to jail and like clearly my family wasn't in favor of them because we left and like my family has been very vocal ever since but like that's just how deeply the fear went that like I was taught as a baby to say I love Fidel like I just remember my mom teaching me that and then when I went back when I was like 12 I remember I was hang out with like my cousins and there was like music playing far away and it was like to the beat of like that funny song in Miami that's like si tu pasa por mi casa y ves a mi mujer. so it was like that beat and I was like laughing and I like I said the first part and I like whispered the second part about like we're in Hylia working in factories because of Fidel I whispered it because obviously like I knew you weren't allowed to say those things and my cousins like their eyes all just got so big and they were like shut up like stop talking like shh, like you can't say these things like shut up right now and like the look of fears in their faces I was like guys we're like whispering there's no one around they were like like cut it out like you can't be talking about any of these things so like the fear that they're facing right now is very real which again just like so much more courageous and brave that they're doing this wait so you knew that song with you guys were singing that song in Cuba um, I discovered, I'm pretty sure it's like to the beat of like a Cuban anthem or something because it was being played by like the like regime band in like the town square. And then I was like, so that's where the beat of that song came from. So I thought that was really crazy. So it was like, I guess people like in Miami took that song. Yeah. But I'm assuming it was played very often growing up and uh-huh. turned it into like a hate song against Fidel. Yeah, um, Sebastian, I know you went to protest. You want to share your experience? It also reminded me that, like, you guys sang that song, right? In the protest. Oh, yeah, one of the, yeah, yeah, that was one of the songs. It just shows, a lot of great. Yeah. No, it yeah, just yeah. how 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 powerful to sing that song now is, you know, and that they sang it at the protest. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the, the protests were were pretty great uh, like you know it was just great to go to them I mean the the double standard uh, uh, like Black Lives Matter protests and then these Cuba protests is like uh, pretty horrible um, but I mean I, I I yeah I don't expect really more from Miami in that regard um, or, or Cubans in Miami for that matter um, they like I, I went to the um, celebration in I think I believe 2017 when Fidel died um and it's 2016 it's one of the I, I don't even remember but in huge huge parties in in Miami when that happened um and this was and and, and it, there are a lot of differences between that party and this and and these protests that I went to for for one the Fidel death uh they weren't protests they were just like celebrations across Miami those were like a really positive a- attitude mostly really old uh, Cubans out and just like a lot, and also a lot of Trump flags. Very, I mean, the Cuban community is very pro-Trump. And then in these protests, I felt the population of people was actually, um, they were a lot younger for the most part. And then the people who were there weren't necessarily like, um, they weren't like, for the most part, they weren't like me, like sons of Cuban immigrants, but rather they were themselves Cuban immigrants. So these are people who have come over in the last like five to five to 10 years. So they actually have like a lot closer ties to the island and to the people who are suffering in it. So you could see in their face way more of like a, 
uh, a desperation. Whereas like, quite frankly, for a community, um, like as part of my Cuban family, like, yeah, everyone's Cuban, but how many people do we still have in Cuba that are part of our family? Like we have in a lot of ways left the island behind, right? So our ties are like, are, are emotional and of like this long lost like history. Um, but, but they aren't like, oh, um, my brother, oh, my cousin, oh, X, Y, Z person of my family. Whereas these people that I saw at this protest did have that feeling and that tie. Um, so it was really good to see them out, but it also shows like who's coming out to these things. Cause Miami has like a massive Cuban population and the protests were pretty big, but they weren't like as big as you, it wasn't, it wasn't the entire range of the Cuban population that was in attendance to it. Um, it was, it was mostly recent, recent, um, Cubans. Um, yeah, but I mean, really good atmosphere in the protests. Um, they're the protests and, and all of these people who go to these events are very much on, of the opinion. And like, maybe we'll hit on this or not that there needs to be a regime change in Cuba. Um, and by regime change, I mean like an end to regimes, like an end to autocracy and a, like a power to the people and like a democracy um, that governs Cuba. And I, I don't disagree with any of those things. Um, so maybe, maybe we can start talking about that now. I don't know where you guys want to see this. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, it's like, there's a regime change, which by, by that we mean end of the regime. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> uh, like, regime like, like, Canel, like Canel Singao, like Canel Singao, sure. But it's like, you put in the next person and he's going to do the same exact thing. So right. like, it, it, this is not like a problem of like the current dictator. It's a problem of having a dictator, um, which, which I mean, you know, to even, to even go, cause you know, I, I was, I was, uh, I'll be equal opportunity hater. Like I, you know, I hate my, hate, hate my, my Trumpies, but I also am very opposed to people on the left who just do not see dictatorship as a problem. Like, I, I think that's such a, such a, hit, such a, such a like that, that, that's, that's, that's being a hypocrite because you're calling Trump, a di you're calling Trump an authoritarian leader. And then you're not blasting an actual, like, by definition, dictator. Um, I just think that that that's hypocrisy, and and that needs to get looked at. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You guys want to ride with that? I don't know. Yeah, um, <laughs> I could I keep would, rambling. That's why. No, I like fully agree with that. I'm honestly, I was not surprised at all with how like Americans in the U.S., especially like well-educated college students and people in academia reacted like this is just like how they have been reacting in my opinion since I got to college I'm so sorry about that noise the second I got to college like it was all oh my god like the very first thing I ever read at college I remember was from my writing 101 course it was an 8 15 a.m and he printed out the first page of the communist manifesto and that's what he gave us to read. And I was like, mm, like, this is a little bit insulting to me. And like, yeah. that's just like, that was literally like my first introduction to academia. And like the way people were talking, like it was clear, like people love thinking about like Marxism and theory, but like whenever you bring up the fact that it doesn't, like up until now, it's never worked like that in practice. There has never been a successful communist regime or let's not say regime, like any communist leadership just has never worked. So the fact that they're still like, yeah, but like, how nice would it be if we could all share our food? And like, they still like hop onto that boat, 
even like when you as a Cuban who have lived in a Cuban communist country, like even after I tell them time and time again, hey, like the hospitals were, were actually terrible. Like there was no food to eat. The education wasn't that good. Like you think it was. They still just like, they're like, mm, actually, I read that it was. So I would agree. And especially for like people who visited <laughs> people who visited Cuba I have been saying this for like three years now like they'd be like I went to Cuba and I studied abroad there and the tourist not the tour guide was like yeah like here are all the great things that Cuba has to offer and I loved all of them and I'd be like you understand like I remember having this conversation with someone he's like you understand like if you're a tour guide especially for a group of American students like you were employed by the government and you were told very specifically what you had to say. Like, there is no freedom of speech. You can't just trust what people say because they're, li they're fearing their lives. As I pointed out with my mom teaching me to say, I love Fidel. Like, what they say is whether they live or die. So you can't just believe they have a good system because they said, we like it here to a bunch of tourists who are there for two weeks, maybe a few months. <laughs> but, this makes me so confused. Like... This whole, I'm sorry, both of you just set me off in such, like, this, this, okay, this has really opened my eyes to how much my time in Miami has shaped how I view, like, Cuba and dictatorship and communism, because I thought everyone thought this, like, <laughs> I was walking around being like, Castro is bad, this is a, a fact, like, this is something, I remember, I have a distinct memory when my grand, when Ben and I were like five or four, Ben is my brother, for those who don't know. But <laughs> when we were very young, my grandma had gotten a newspaper in the mail because she likes to read newspapers because she's very old. And she, there was, it was some Miami publication run by some Cuban person. And there was a political cartoon about Castro on it. And it was basically like, can I curse? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's basically like taking a shit on Castro, right? Because like why wouldn't they so whatever but so it's basically taking a shit on castro and that's when i learned who castro was my step my grandma my stepmom i'm so used to saying that my grandma my grandma like ben and i were in her room because we were always with her when we were children and my grandma was like this is castro he's a terrible person he's doing terrible things to your family back in cuba we hate him and i remember my brother and i ripping the political cartoon out of the newspaper and stomping on it and like i think we crumpled it like we were like, we were like, oh yeah, like we hate Castro, like on the spot. I was five. Under the regime, right there. Right there. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, there you go. But so like, since I was five and I took this as fact because it was so obvious to my five-year-old brain. So I'm just so confused why I'm now 21 and I'm growing up and I'm hearing everyone in my life say, not everyone in my life, that's a bitch dramatic. Everyone on social media, let me say. Everyone in my life is very much on the same page. <laughs> but everyone on social media being like, Cuba is this amazing place. Castro was this amazing person, romanticizing Castro. Posting Castro quotes, by the way, is so insulting. That is so insulting. If you, even if you're a Cuban, but especially if you are not Cuban, I do not want to see Castro on my timeline. I'm so sorry. So it's so, this, has, this whole thing has been so bewildering to me because what I had thought was common knowledge because then my brother and I went to school and we shared and you know, we're in Miami, like basically all the friends are Cuban. Like we were all on the same page. I've never once encountered someone in my life. I don't know, you can cut out some of this rambling, but like, <laughs> it's just amazing to me that like my whole life I've been told Cuban experiences and suddenly people in academia want to throw papers at me 
and I'm like, I don't want to read this paper because I know like, I'll read the paper. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm opposed to reading things. No one take that and run off of it. But like, it's just like my whole life I've been taught the Cuban experience. So I'm not gonna believe academia over the Cuban experience. Like that's just not what I believe in. So it's so confusing to me why people will hear Cubans say Cuba is bad. And then they'll throw like, well, this thinks this literacy rate is really good and the education is really good and the hospital is really good. When, as we all just discussed, like Cuba, controls everything that comes out of Cuba. Like any media you're getting from Cuba, that's that's all control, that's all lies. And maybe not lies, like Val said, like, okay, yeah, the literacy rate is great, but they only can read things about the government. So it's like, I don't know. It, it's just bewildering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, at, at Davidson, there was, oh. And, and, and healthcare is free. You can go see the yeah. doctor, but you can't get and treat it. Like you can't, you don't have medications to do anything. So it's like, no, the healthcare is not free. It doesn't exist. Like it's so confusing yeah. to me. Like I, at, at Davidson though, there was there was a, a uh, like a a professor I think from UNC Chapel Hill who came and gave their presentation on their research in Cuba. And I mean, like they definitely were talking up the island like it was some sort of like paradise um and um and then they did i mean and this i guess is something that then we'll, we're gonna we're gonna hit on soon then they talked about how um like the problems that the island did have were all that like the, they, they talked about all the really great things about the island like um uh, like amazing access to healthcare, like amazing education um and then they they all but then they talked about how like the economic hardship of the island was primarily caused by the u.s embargo so they they like so the narrative that basically was just being presented to everybody was this and and the, so this is an academic two students right um, a, a U.S. American academic to U.S. American students so the yeah exactly what you what you're really missing in that whole pipeline is the actual like human experience like the individuals that are that you're talking about here and so like but 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 I mean if you just look at that like if I hadn't stood up and been like well like my family lived through this dictatorship. Um, are we going to talk about how like democracy is important to like all of these uh, facts, like all of these things you're talking about, like uh, democracy is like, should be a central theme in them. Like, like I should be able to have a, have a, have a say in, you know, what my country does, you know, like it shouldn't just be up to like this one person and their interests um, or this one group of people and their interests. Um, I, like, that wasn't that was not like spoken about like it was it was they were just fine with all of these facts and all these figures um facts in quote because again like you said like all of these figures are coming from a government which like when a tornado when a, when a hurricane comes and it kills hundreds of people on on all of these islands cuba reports a zero death rate and then when a pandemic comes by cuba reports uh perfect numbers and like they're covering the vaccine fine like like there's there's these obvious moments where this is just their lies and we just or we we're like we we trust the government like yeah we, like you said we don't even trust our own government and we're gonna trust this this like government that it's been lying to its people and to the international community for 60 years like okay I'm, I'm going on a tangent let me go back to the thing i was saying the academics like if you just look at it that way though you can see that it's really easy like I, it's very um predictable how um 
American students and American academics are like understanding the situation. They're viewing it as, okay, like Cuba has all these incredible systems set up, but they don't have the money to run them efficiently. And the reason that they're not getting that money is this embargo the United States has in place. So that's the narrative that is like, that, that's the really powerful narrative from the left, which has been skewing all of the talk about the terrors that an, an autocrat can have on a group of people. Yeah, and since a lot of people just can't fathom what we say without concrete examples because they think we're just kind of like talking up our ass and like making this up on the spot. Um, I've lived through all of these things that Sebastian, Val, and Abby have all been mentioning. And for example, let's start with the government. They keep the money to themselves. A Cuban, if you were born in Cuba and you want to go to Cuba to visit your family, which for a very long time, those were the only people who could go to Cuba and yeah. they knew that. So how much did it cost to renew your passport once you were outside of Cuba? 500 US dollars per passport. That money just went straight to the Cuban government. On top of that, every year you had to renew it for $100. To put this in perspective, an American passport is like 100 bucks and I don't think you ever have to renew it or anything like that. So like, that's all money, like the millions of Cubans, Cuban Americans that go to Cuba every year, that's all money that the government was collecting from us. So like, yes, there's an embargo, but first of all, there are still goods being transported. Second of all, thinking that the US embargo is what's causing all of this is very US centric because we're not the only country that exists in this world. For a very long time after the US embargo, Cuba was receiving money and food and everything from all these other countries but they kind of just like stopped paying for it. Like they weren't good trading partners. So that's why a lot of people stopped trading with them. They just like weren't paying their dues. They like are very indebted to like the rest of the world. And like we said, they clearly have money literally based off just like $500 for every single person that goes to Cuba just for the passport, plus whatever they spend in Cuba while they're there and all of these crazy things. So like, Yes, there are there are lacking resources, and I'm sure like no Cuban embargo would like no, not having an embargo would help. But like this was going to happen anyway because they're very money hungry and are just keeping the money for themselves. And like any statistic released by the government, like there's just no proof that it's real. Like the literacy rate, the literacy rates are like amazing. My grandma, she can't read or write. She's illiterate. How could that be? She lives in Cuba. They forced her to take a fifth grade test to prove that she can read and write. And she made my mom take it for her. So they made her take this test when she was older. My mom took it and they said, boom, she's literate now. And like, you could literally cheat off whoever you wanted on the test. She literally had her daughter come in and take the test for her. So like, how real are literally any of these statistics? Like the literacy rates, they might be high, but like, they're just not as high as they're telling you. Like my own personal family can't read and write. Like like these all these things have to tell you th something and like the healthcare system yes it's free my um I don't know when I was born there was no hospital in our town so we had to drive three hours to the province for my mom to give birth to me there are no cars or public transportation so you kind of just have to like figure it out and hope you can get a car that will take you while you're in labor so just like all of these things like they don't add up like my I've had family members die out of just like misdiagnosis and not having the supplies. And also just like, you can't get treatment unless you go to Havana, which is a six hour car ride if you find a car from my town. So it's just 
like it's so much more than just resources it's the infrastructure like it's such a great infrastructure until you look closely and it's not yeah but like to to, to go off like what olivia was saying is that like the the embargo like looking at the embargo is also very u.s centric like cuba does trade with a bunch of european countries and before they traded with so many european countries they were constantly trading with the soviet union so they they have had trade through their time it's simply a matter of having the money to 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 do trades and the reason that a lot of these countries only accept cash trades with cuba now is because of what you were just saying that cuba is not a very trustworthy uh, country to make deals with and that's just that's evident because of their history with all of these countries trading it's not just that these countries view cuba and they're like oh that's a communist country like let's not giving them any of the benefits we give other countries we trade with it's more so like oh we had our our countrymen go to your country and make these nice hotels and then your state just took them from us and you kind of owe us that money but you you're not going to give it to us you know, it's 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 things like that that erode trust between nations when they're trading um and 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 that's exciting i mean of course the embargo definitely has like an effect on the cuban people and i believe that lifting the embargo could help the cuban people but that's not really gonna like that that's that i mean you're, you're not really treating the real cause of, of of all of their suffering when you just lift it apart or you're kind of putting a bandage on on a way bigger issue um I, I was just i was just thinking about how like my my aunt when my uncle came over here well like yeah like you're saying like people literally send their kids and never like my, my great uncle his mom died when he came over here and so like when he went to wichita um he had by that time by the time that his mother died like within the same year that he immigrated here, his uncle also came over here and he had to fly back to Miami and um, his uncle let him know that like, his mom had gotten sick on a Tuesday and died the next Tuesday. Like that that was, you know, his first year in America, already his mom had passed away. And like, um, he said that like his dad, like, or and I don't know if it was his dad, but some, some man in the family had like owned a business, a very small, like, as if like a local business, right? And um, and he like it wasn't like when Cuba took like when when Castro took over and everything they took over businesses. All businesses became part of the United like of the United States, sorry, the, of Cuba became like the government's property pretty much. And um, and it wasn't just like big businesses. It's like when he, when here in the United States we talk about big businesses, big businesses and everything, and like how much money people have and and like Amazon and all these things, like it was just any local business was taken from the government. And so um, a guy in our family, he had a business and the guy, the government was like, oh, look, like you can still work here. We'll pay you to work here for us. But this is our, this is our business now. And he was like, what the heck? No, I'm like, I'm leaving. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, because it, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Yeah, so he just took his property. My my grandfather, his his father, so my great grandfather, uh, had a bodega in Cuba in La Habana, and then my grandfather, when my great grandfather passed, it became his bodega. So that was his whole job was just running like the, he owned this bodega, and then after the communist revolution, that bodega was no longer his, but he still worked at it. So like I mean, he put up with that. Like he was he was okay with like I, not that he was okay with it. Obviously he wasn't, but like he like lived 
through that. Like he, he saw that happen and he just kept putting up with it. But then there came a point where he couldn't take it anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there were a lot of people who immediately that happened and they left. Um, and that's also completely understandable too. Um, I mean, there are people coming over to this very day, even though we took away wet for dry foot. No, um, yeah, it was that that a couple of people, like I think it was last year, people came to Key West mm-hmm. in a boat, and there was a few days ago, people showed up really? to Hollywood Beach. Wow, Hollywood mm-hmm. Beach, that's crazy. I think I think we should put wet for dry foot back. I think it was an error to take that away. Wow. These are my thoughts. That is wild. Oh, yeah, there's like, in, imagine you're you're in Key West, whatever, having a time, taking a picture of the 90 miles, whatever, and all of a sudden you see people like, like trying to survive, you know, and it's also something, I saw a post today where it's like, like one in four people died while coming, trying to come on a raft here. And it's just so wild, like the amount of people that lost their lives, just like, without having a means to safely come here you know mm-hmm. um yeah no it's wild and, um, and i think that touches on about the fact that like many people risk their lives like uh, many yeah, central yeah. american mm-hmm. migrants risk their lives to come to this country um so like i mean th- this i think can be easily a part of a like a, a broader conversation about migration mm-hmm. um and and what forces migration and obviously these other countries aren't um communist dictatorships so like that there will be different conversations yeah um, but at the same time yeah but at the same time like i forgot i forget which country it was but like a ton of these latin american countries like they're the president is voted on but like half of the people that vote for them are like dead bodies like the the people that had voted were no yeah it was it, there's there's <laughs> there's countries that have had like evidence of that so it's just like it's like, okay, like, it's not a, like a dictatorship, right? Like, you know, word for word, but it's like, it's, it's very, um, it's, it's still very corrupt. And, and, and so, yeah. And, and, and yeah. And like, I do hope that like, with this, like people, like the human people also start to realize that like, there is no, like the, the choice that people have in immigration and stuff and like risking their lives and all these different things that like, and backing from the government and like not having any sort of like support when you come here, like that's a hope of mine that maybe they can like see that, you know, now, but, and also like the whole protesting thing, like, of course, like in Miami, police did not treat the Cubans like they did um, like the BLM protesters and everything. Like I saw a video of, like on like on some something where it's like people were sharing coffee with like police police officers and like yeah that that gets me like pissed because it's just like wow like pe- like the police are literally killing people in Cuba like how are you still gonna support the police here like they do the same thing here they kill people here yeah no it just gets me like really mad and I hope they realize that like when they took over the street in the Palmetto like that's illegal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I was there. And I was there and there were cops all around and they were okay with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's a double standard. Um, and I, I think like, okay, we've been, we've been kind of uh, uh, beating up on the left for, you know, um, talking really uh, poorly about Cuba. But I mean, we could easily also beat up on the right. I mean, 
Republicans have used Cubans as a pawn in whatever political game they want to play for a really, really long time. What is this um, and all that that's done is it's just distance Cubans from... But yeah, and people just pushing their own agenda. It's quite disrespectful. Gaslighting makes me feel like I'm crazy. Yes. <laughs> no, when you posted, you're like, I feel gaslit. I was like, that's such a good way to describe it. The way I feel right now is exactly how I feel when someone fucking gaslights me. I'm, but except this time it's Instagram. So I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, and a whole humanitarian crisis. Yeah, it's like, what's it's not, it's not like, yeah, something yeah. tiny of your day. It's like your whole family life. Because like, I think that's also something that people get confused too. It's like, no one came here because they genuinely wanted to. Like, yeah. we, like people didn't have a choice. You know, it was either yeah. like get brainwashed or come here. Mm-hmm. No one wanted to come to the United States. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're really, really rich leaving Cuba. Like you're coming to the United States and you're basically starting from the ground up. Like who wants to do that? Like no one wants yeah, to. So you have no other choice. To, to, to give even more background on my family that came, um, my so so the revolution happened in 59 and my family came over in the early 80s um my mother coming in the 80s so you can like i mean the math is like uh, 20 21 years under the castro's rule of the island so it's not like these people were just heard communism and then they were like oh god gotta get out of there like it's bad communism i've heard that word and i need to leave like it, it's like 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 my like my grandfather had a pretty good position in this whole communist system he was the director of sanitation which basically meant he was the the garbage man like he was the the head garbage man and my um and my grandmother she ran the comité which is like the group of uh like in in the certain areas of where you would live there would be different like com- committees it was like a, a committee so all the people would come together and they would organize things like um, voting day, they'd have, you'd have to get volunteers of students to like go up and like sing all like the government, pro-government chants before the votes. Like, and so my, since my grandmother was the head of that, she had to make my mother do all of these like little things where they wanted like kids with like, you know, all of their like colors out and stuff and like the flag and everything, you know, like, like all of these really, like they were really deep in this world. Like they were really entrenched into it. And it's entrenched into it. And that's where they started to see all of the issues with it. It's not like they were like these anti-communist people. It's more these people who like just couldn't continue living the way that they were living. They, especially my grandparents, they had seen a world before this and it wasn't a perfect world like at all. Like again, the U.S. like to look at it from a U.S. perspective, like the U.S. has done some pretty terrible things with Cuba. I mean, they supported a dictatorship that was a cap, like, a, a right-wing dictatorship before Castro came to power. Like the, the U.S. wasn't doing great things, and Cuba was by no means a great country before Castro. But the 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 decline in quality of life was really noticeable, and that's what led to this. Like, okay, we need to we need to like find something else, and that find something else means like put your child on a boat and don't see them again for another year, hoping in that year that you might be able to see them again. You know, like. Like these are really big risks that people are taking to make sure that they, they, they can have a better life for themselves. And for whatever reason, we're like, we're not acknowledging that like people really just, it's not that they want to be somewhere else. It's that they just can't be where they are anymore. Like this is like becoming an uninhabitable place um, where people are having to really meek by their existence. And like, that's not how people should be living. Like, 
it's it's not at all. And like, I don't know why we don't have like a general consensus of that in this country. I mean, yeah, I mean, Republic, I mean, Republicans are then going to fall in line. Like, I mean, like that, 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 like my point is that like Republicans have always used Cuba as like this really big issue to like just kind of beat up on the left. Like, oh, like look at these Cubans. They came from Cuba and that's where they have like universal health care. Like, do you really want universal health care in this country? Like, look what happened to Cuba when they did universal health care. And it's like, it's like, no, like, no, like that, that's not the same thing, you know? Um, I mean, with, with all of these, with, with all of these issues with Cuba, it just kind of used as this sort of like anti, um, anti uh, socialism move from the right in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and I mean, the Cuban community here is eating it up. I mean, you, you, I mean, it's, you, you'd be hard pressed to find many Cubans that support um, policies that would actually benefit them simply because they stick on this really fine line of like, um, I'm Cuban, therefore I need to vote Republican. I mean, it's indoctrinated into, I think, most, most Cubans. Um, I knew that that was my upbringing. Um, and I know it's for many others, it's because Republicans have constantly come out and uh, attack communism. And so you just kind of like, I mean, they literally won over the Cuban vote just by saying communism is bad, by like going back to like this like McCarthy era, like anything that the government does to help its people is a crime because it creates a dependency. And I, I mean, I, yeah, again, I'm, I can ramble on this. It's just the, the right is not, the, the, like US politics is not really helping Cuba is what I'm saying. It's not gonna, it's not gonna do anything for Cuba. It's not gonna do anything for Cubans. Um, it's just going to divide the Cubans that are outside of Cuba and can actually make uh, their own opinions about what is going on there. Cause I mean, just, just like you said, like. We've had the left do this crazy thing. And then you have these Trump peace, these Trump uh, voting Republicans that are just taking all of these issues and, and, and then having a negative impact on people here in the United States with them. So it's, it's like no one's really winning here is, is, the, is the really sad part. Um, and I feel as a Cuban that I'm, my, my vote, my family's vote is just going to continue to be um, just kind of like uh, played around with. And, uh, and, and I think that it would actually be re- really not to any of these politicians benefit to actually help Cuba, because the, the moment that you have a free Cuba, like, what are they going to what are they going to say? You know, what are they going to have to talk about? What, what are they, they going to campaign on? Yeah. Like, what are they going to um, like, use in their political schemes? Like? So, yeah, I, I mean, again, like I and that's why, like, maybe we can get to this part where we talk about what we think should be done. But. I don't think there's a really clear answer. Um, so yeah, maybe we can talk about that. Okay, I'll go. Um, uh, I, just wanna lay it out there. I, think, I don't have I don't have an answer. I don't have thoughts. I have thoughts, but like nothing concrete. So. Oh We're yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, same. No, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not in a position <laughs> either. <laughs> I mean, again, like not not an expert on this topic. I'll say that. I'll say that right right up front. I'm just like uh, the son of Cuban immigrants, just you know, speaking from the heart. Um, <laughs> but I think I think like we I think we need to like look at the good 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 things, um, good things that we know are good, and that's like a, a a a free open democracy. Like to the extent to which we have one in this country does not matter. Like we're not talking about the U.S. in the sense we're talking about Cuba. Like I think that Cuba Cubans should be able to. 
um, to, should, they should be able to elect their leaders. I don't think that, um, I just think, I think that's like a, a universal thing that we can all agree on. And I think that's sort of the goal that we should strive towards. Um, yeah. How that gets done, I don't know, but I think like we should all start to get on the same page on that, like left and right, everybody. Um, and I don't think we're all there, if I'm being honest. I think that's the biggest problem. Yeah, no, I never thought I'd be in so much of a unity with people who are so right-winged right now, you know? Like, I never thought I'd, see, I thought I'd see the day. <laughs> I feel like it's also like, I don't know, like, I feel like that's also another reason like so many Americans won't join the movement with us is like all of these Miami rallies, like you don't see just Cuban flags, you see American flags, which are just, like, and you see Trump flags and, and you yeah, see Trump flags. And, and Blue Lives Matter flags, which are pretty toned up at the moment. But just like seeing things like that, like, I don't know, like it well, doesn't help us gain any sympathy, like, because especially now that our country is so polarized, like, I don't know, it's just so difficult. And like, there's plenty of Cubans that don't agree. Like, I, I like, I went and I'm like in pain every time I see like an American flag next to the Cuban flag at these protests. But like, I don't know, like. It's such like a tough part because Cubans have been so like Republican for so long. Like Florida is red. Miami became more Republican during Trump. Like it's just not like it's at the same time not a good look for us. But like, I don't know, I feel like, again, like if we just took American politics out of it, like it would be so much easier to unify people. I don't know. Obviously the policies and the politicians that they support play a role in people dying. And that is also wrong. So it's like, I'm not sitting here being like, oh yeah, well, I think they're great as people. No, like I'm never ever sitting in solidarity with like the white rich Cubans of Miami. Like that is no, like, but when it comes to the people of Cuba, it's like, yeah. Like, do I think they shouldn't die? Yes. If they also think that that is great. Obviously I stand with them. Like that's so confusing to me. They're like, well, they supported Trump. I'm like, that's not what we're talking about right now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no. And and it's really upsetting to see that, like, a lot of the Democratic politicians right now aren't really saying much about how bad Cuba is. Like, mm-hmm. Biden and, like, AOC, I hate to put her in the same boat <laughs> because I love AOC, but she... And he like just did not acknowledge Cuba's situation. Like they just acknowledge the fact that like COVID is bad right now and the embargo, they mostly focus on the embargo. And like, it's just really, yeah, it's just like really upsetting because like they have the opportunity right now to bring Cubans to their side. Like they have the opportunity to like gain so many people on their side because like all these people are traumatized like that's what Abby was saying a couple days ago to me like that like Mm -hmm. I you know like I don't of course like I do blame Cubans for voting continuously right but like I don't blame them in a way because like of course they're going to like hear the buzzwords and they're going to go to the right like Democrats don't give them the reason to vote for them like hello you're obviously like not talking about anything about how Cuba is bad right now. So they're not gonna vote for you. Like, don't expect them to be on your side when you're not saying anything that's gonna drag them to there. And then of course you see all these things that's like 
oh my god, that's the most ridiculous thing. That's Trump on WhatsApp was saying something so stupid, the fakest thing in my life. But people are eating that up, and they're saying that Trump is like anti-Cuba, blah 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 blah. Obviously, and so everyone's like eating it up, and they're like, oh my god, if Trump was like still president, he would like help us, which he wouldn't. But like. Of course, they're going to start voting right still. And like, what really upsets me too, the whole BLM statement that they also supported Cuba in the past with rest in power, like um, Fidel Castro when he died and only talking about the embargo. It's like, it's really disappointing, first of all, because like there's a lot of black Cubans that are still in Cuba and are dying and have been like disproportionately affected by everything that's going on. And... Cubans, black Cubans here that are just like, what the heck? <laughs> like, we, you know, and it's just like, you know, we don't, you don't support a movement for us to ask for a favor later, but it's super hurtful to see. Like, I can imagine like how that can be hurtful to see for like black Cubans and everything. Like that's like, you know, it's, it's a lot of betrayal. So, but that also like a lot of Cubans, white Cubans don't support BLM. They support Blue Lives Matter. And it's annoying because BLM did not give them reason to support Black Lives Matter now even more. So it's just like, you had the chance, like you could have done so much good with this statement. You could have brought so many people to your movement and you didn't. I will say though that BLM, the organization is much different than the movement. No, yeah. So the organization tweeted that, but like, you know, like, Yeah, Why, how would people know that? Yeah, you know, yeah exactly. Like, people are not going to yeah. associate that with that. Like BLM has been like the, the organization, not the movement, yeah. obviously. Um, yeah, don't get it twisted. <laughs> um, yeah, but it is it is impossible now. Like it, yeah. it's almost, it's impossible now to convert one of those yeah. Trump yeah, Repo- Trump still, Cubans yeah, before, because of that. Like before it's even this, like um, before this was exposed about BLM, like um, the organization, I, like I've always had some or, like issues with the organization because they weren't fully supporting things that like would actually support like different communities and everything. So like that was always a thing. But of course, I supported the movements to like obviously. But and I still got stuff like even with this like those things not known by like my family and like my distant family and everything. Like I you still get stuff from them being like, oh my god, I can't believe like you know. Um, you're like doing this blah 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 and it's just like now it's going to be even worse like yeah for sure. you know and it's just going to be like now that they like if I go out for a protest for BLM like they're gonna be like I can't believe you're doing that when they said that they didn't want to support Cuba and like you're betraying your family you know it's just puts- I mean they just should they just like they just shouldn't have done that it was not their yeah. place it just really yeah. wasn't their place I mean yeah. I, yeah and but but at the same time like how like there it's gonna be the it's gonna be the people on the right that make it a radical like it, sh- it should not be a radical statement to say that black lives matter like that's not a radical statement but they're going to turn it into one right and like you know what honestly i don't care mm-hmm. i really don't care um like for example i mean B- biden came out with a statement and he said he said that cuba was a failed state and he said that communism was a failed system but like they're not gonna listen to that like they don't like they're they're gonna create their own reality with the facts that they choose to believe and then they're going to like call biden this like like radical leftist you know like like it 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 really like what 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 is actually said um and what's meant and what happens doesn't really matter too much um 
And of course they're gonna like like at the at the protest there were chants like one of the chants was like if if Biden doesn't do anything we're gonna put Trump back in power that was like one of the chants um, and I mean and then and then the banner that was in the center of the whole protesting said Biden comma like speaking to 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 Biden Cuban lives matter too. So right there, you're, you're making a reference to Black Lives Matter. Like, like, this is just like, this is like just cheap tactics that the right loves to use to dilute these actually important issues and just use them wherever they want. But what that does is it really cheapens then the, key, the, the, the I want a free Cuba movement because mm-hmm. it, 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 you're just, you're just, you're, you're saying that like, these other issues, like we can make fun of them and reappropriate them however we want. Like, I, I just don't like that. But then at the same time, like then you have Black Lives Matter making the same thing Cuban that they should be making. Like, it, so it's it's a really big mess in American politics, in my opinion. Like, so yeah, sure, we should like maybe not look at it as American politics. But then it's like, what do we like? Do we want our country to do something about Cuba, right? Because then now all of a sudden that's going to get into American politics, right? So it's like we can only keep it non-american politics for so long until we start to say like oh like, should we do something about this like i don't know i i personally think that like maybe we maybe we should do something um but again then that's going to hit on a, a bunch of other different notes and it's gonna, like yeah it, you know like it, it's it's really that that in itself gets to a whole, whole other confusing thing but but it ties back to the point that like, like okay like it it is related to american politics you know like um so we, we can't really keep it isolated from American politics, you know. Mm-hmm. And can we talk a little bit about like the inter- the American intervention that so many right wing, not just right wing, but just like so many Cuban Americans in general are asking for, and like especially the caravan that just went to the White House demanding, like in front of the White House, that Biden like does an intervention. Because personally, I've been very like conflicted on it. Like obviously, the second I saw U.S. intervention, I said. Like, no bad, like, we've seen what happens in Latin America. Like, my first gut reaction was, like, no, this can't happen. Like, we can't have a U.S. intervention. And then I was, like, talking to my dad about it. And he was, like, well, first of all, like, like we've mentioned, like, if no one intervenes, like, there's very little chance of the Cuban, like, the Cuban people winning. Like, they just don't have literally anything in their power at the moment. They're stuck in their houses. They have no internet. They have no arms. They have nothing so like and they're literally like indoctrinating people like teenagers every single day to make sure there's more and more military so it's like I don't know how they would be able to win on their own and like another thing my father was saying was like okay like let's say the the U.S. doesn't intervene so like then what Venezuela intervenes and if anything it's just more brutality like more military regime in the country so it's just like such like at least for me like I'm very conflicted on it like I don't even know if I'm for or against it, like my my gut reaction is always like against it. But then I'm like, where does that leave the Cuban people? Like, they have no help. Like, I don't know. It's just such a difficult thing. Like, I don't know. I don't think there is a right answer. I don't think any intervention will be like to the Cuban people's benefit. But I don't think no intervention is to their benefit either. So I just right. want to know what you guys think. Yeah, because like I, I was discussing that with my family, with my great aunt when I called her and um, and like a, a good point that she made was like the fact that they're like taking all these 
young boys to fight and everything it like worries her because like if there is u.s intervention then like those are the people that are gonna get killed too so it's just like there's gonna be a lot of death in general but there's also gonna be a lot of death if they don't intervene and just like not even just death but just like so many different things to follow like with that too and it's just like and and it's also like really scary too because if if you think about it like if nothing happens and this just like I don't know like dissolves like all these like people fighting for this just like ends then I, the, the Cuban government is just going to go harder like you know that. like it's, they're going to be like punished yeah yeah because they're gonna be like okay yeah like never mind let's not let's not ever have this situation again where like the videos of this get leaked out and all this stuff like this is like way too much and like it's just going to go crazy so it's just like no like we have this has been so long already right? like what more do we need to point out that like this is not okay mm-hmm. so, but yeah it's, it's difficult um yeah I, that's the thing like I just like have no idea like it's just I don't know like they've been in such a difficult position and like like it's been six years like I don't know like it goes back to the whole like it's gonna be difficult no matter like how you do it like it's just hard for them I don't know like the cards are definitely not in the Cuban people's favor at the moment. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we yeah, we have a lot of freedom. Yeah. <laughs> hey. And like, there's still like a lot of people who are very like in indo- like they at the end of the day like we're seeing all these protests, but there's so many people that are still indoctrinated and like don't believe in these protests and like all you learn at school is communism good. Cuba sucked before Fidel came to power. And like, that's what they believe. They know they're not eating, but like, that's still what they believe because they don't know, the, they don't know any better. I don't know, it's just hard. Oh, it is, it's really hard. There's like too, too, too little help and then too much help where it's not even help. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just to end off the conversation, I wanna, end it with a good so almost like a like a pride note um if anyone everyone can answer their I asked you this question a couple days ago <laughs> if you can choose either pastelitos empanadas croquetas or Cuban bread tostada for breakfast for the rest of your life one of those which one would you choose it's hard, I know. <laughs> it's croquetas for me, no type of question there. I'm a hoe for the croquetas. Ham or, or chicken? No ham, that's the only right answer. Yeah, Correct. I agree. From where? I didn't, I didn't know there were chicken ones. <laughs> From where? Honestly, those Islas Canarias ones kind of slap, but okay. I'll take any type of croquetas from anywhere. Any I can get my hands on, I will take them. <laughs> Dude, I used to down Publix croquetas. Yeah. They don't sound like they'd be good, but in high school, when you're like 15 and you're hungry, they kind of hit. Mm-hmm. And they were so cheap. Yeah, exactly. They're huge too. I yeah. will, in fact, take a croqueta from anywhere. Yeah. So is that your option? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not a vegetarian, so never again will I taste the wonderful croqueta. Unless they come out with, I've had a vegan croquetta once. It's disgusting. You know, don't, just don't try to make that vegan. Just the vegetarians can take the L with that one. We cannot have croquettas. 
I chose tostada because I love empanada, but that's like a lot to do first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I love pastelito, but like I can't do sweet in the morning. Like I'll just feel sick. So tostada it is. Nice. With, with a little bit of coffee. Exactly. And then you dip it in the coffee. It's good. Um, oh, um, oh. I, I, yeah, same uh, with Abby. Uh, I can't really do croqueta. But, um, and I would love to do pastelito, but you say every single day and that would definitely make me, uh, I'd become diabetic. So I'm, I'm going to choose tostada just for That's my health. That's a good point. Um, but, <laughs> and the empanada one, I don't know who would pick empanada because I don't, I don't know any Cuban empanada in my head. I yeah. thought it was one type. You asked Olivia. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just want to see what side, what side oh, she was on. <laughs> I just want to see what side she was on. I just, you know, I thought it was because because people that, that go hard for chicken croquetas, I'm just like, I can't trust that's you. Weird. I no, can't that's trust disgusting. You. Yeah. That's yeah. Disgusting. No, never. We, we vow, I don't even know what you're doing at the party anymore. Like, don't why why are you buying this at the part for the party? No one's gonna eat them. You're gonna have a. What whole about thing. those little? You know, you know those little bocaditos that are like. It's kind of like a cream cheese in the middle. I I don't like. Oh it. yeah, I don't. I've never liked. No. Those. Okay. Yeah. No. That's, They're not no, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But but that's like a mystery thing because I don't even know what's in them. Yeah. No. But I've they're always had. at parties it's now. Sus. You brought up parties. The bread is good though. The bread is good. It's like <laughs> it a mayonnaise bread. The Hawaiian bread. I don't know if it's Hawaiian bread. It's like similar. Like it's sweet the same way, but yeah, yeah. I don't think it's the same thing. Yeah, wait, Val, what was yours? Mine is pastelito. Wow. But the thing is, what's your what what's your favorite? Guayaba. Guayaba. Okay. Okay. I like I like guayaba queso, but I I prefer guayaba. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying same. It's the shape. Is, it's really the, the shape. They're so good with coffee. I know, but yeah, I, 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 I think is when I have dip. when I have tostadas, I can't. I can't not have coffee. Like that's like illegal. Oh, I eat it. I can eat it just completely like alone. Like I literally can eat that alone. Like oh, I like, could obviously butter <laughs> butter Cuban bread. Butter I'm not bread. suffering if I I've have done that at the airport without before. coffee. But I'm saying it's th a thousand times better. It's like the same thing of like why have like something cold when you can heat it up in the microwave. You know, like it's like why have it without coffee when you can have it with coffee. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, I'm glad to hear all your, all your decisions. No one chose empanadas. I was just about to say, <laughs> no one chose the empanadas. Why would they? That's no. so weird. They, they said, they, they said we need a fork. Yeah. They just empanadas. Yeah. Hey, I eat empanadas for breakfast sometimes. Let's not knock them. I know, but for like, look, I love empanadas. Don't get it twisted. But every day for breakfast for the rest of my life. There was one that we had, Sebastian, I had recently, the way I had queso. That was really good. But I mean, it was just pastelito. Oh, yeah. Like, I was just like. Yeah, it was just like a pastelito. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We yeah. used to make um, those at home. We just made like empanadas with guayaba, and that was our dessert. That's so nice. Good. It's like a pastelito. But you call it an empanada? Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It is a privilege to eat all these Cuban treats because, you know. No, yeah. Cuban no, that's Cuba also something can too. actually do that. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, send it on that note. Know, like, yeah. there's still, like, a lot of a lot of people. At the end of the day, this is a people. There are people, you know. Mm -hmm.